We are Wrestling Elitists. I am your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside the Flying Lizard, Chris Scott Moore, and the Winged Serpent, Sean Nash. What's going on, boys? Very dragon-themed. Dragon-themed. Pod- it's a podcast of dragons. Yeah. Dragon you didn't watch that show. <laughs> yeah, I have not watched any of that stuff. Come on. Come on. Please be sure to check us out at WrestlingElitists.com for all your latest match reviews and articles. Uh, recently, Sean put up all of the G1 ratings. He just powered through that. I think that Hard uh, it's a marathon. Yes, just absolutely stupendous. But I think the cool thing about that is if you looked us up on Google kind of during the, the peak of the G1, we were showing up on the first page. Uh, so hard work pays off. Look at us. Look at us, yeah, guys. True. Number seven on Google, baby. Oh, yeah. Number one in your hearts. That's our spot. That's where that money comes uh, in. <laughs> Chris also uh, put up an article for SummerSlam of 89. We were just talking about it before we went live that it feels weird that this is usually the weekend that we would see SummerSlam, but it's yeah. already a month. It's already a month behind us at this point. So just a retrospective on that. Uh, please make sure that you are giving us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast and share this with your friends, family, and loved ones. Sean, how about you tell the people what the uh, show is going to look like? We're going to kick you off with our news and then go into our match moments, cringes, and what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks and sprinkle in some some other topics that have been pretty big in, in the wrestling world. I love that. Uh, I'm actually going to spring one on you guys that I didn't put in our uh, our stuff, and I'll start oh, here with we go. Here we go. Um, and it, it, it's because of the conversations that we had after the show on kind of Wednesday night, Thursday morning. I actually would have said that that was probably my favorite Dynamite that I can remember of the year. Uh, but I think Chris kind of had some different opinions in terms of it felt fast and everything like that. So I just want to know, after kind of looking back on it, having the week to reflect, we'll start with you, Chris. What was kind of your thoughts overall on that show? I thought it was very exciting. I liked it a ton. It just had a rushed ending, and I felt like a lot of moments came very fast and they didn't breathe enough. But don't get me wrong. It was an exciting as hell show, and you have two four-star matches. That's always going to be a great episode of television and something unpredictable with the punk stuff. <laughs> and then um, and the Kenny Omega return was spectacular too. I mean, it was predictable, but it was good predictable. It felt satisfying. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but no, I liked it. It's just, there's sometimes they cram so much in and there's moments when you do want it to just breathe or cut to a commercial and not go to a backstage promo. Um, but whatever, I thought it was a great show. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, one just thing you said it was rushed. I believe you meant rushed. Oh yes. Him too. Yes. Come on. Spanish. Sean, well, Sean, what was your uh, thoughts on this show? Um, I mean, you guys know me. I don't have the, the greatest memory for, for various reasons, but uh, <laughs> it's I, in your I, hand right it, now. <laughs> it was definitely a, uh, a fun dynamite. I think if I go back and look through all my notes, I could probably find maybe one, one dynamite that was better, but two four-star matches, like you say, some, some weird stuff in the hot shotting of the, the main event of all out. That's a great, that's a great Wednesday. Yeah, I felt like it was I wouldn't want every single week to have that same pacing, but just because it's been a little bit slow, actually, like and I think we'll talk about it even further in your cringe of the week, Sean. But the last few weeks for me, it's felt like a little bit of work just to watch AEW at times. Like the shows have been good, but they just haven't been what they were at other times. Um, so I thought that I think that for me, just seeing that it kind of 
brought me back to the early days of AEW, kind of like right when Tony started really taking over the book, where you were seeing some storyline stuff, but it was still just like the fast pace, go, go, go. We're establishing ourselves. We're establishing the fact that we have some really good talent here, even if you've never heard of them. And that was kind of just how I how I felt watching last week. It made the time fly by. I couldn't believe all of a sudden it was the end of the show. I do agree that especially when you have an angle where uh, Roosh turns on his own brother, his legitimate brother, uh, they kind of just went to the end of the show right there. Like you kind of should have done that at least 30 seconds before maybe, but otherwise still a really good show. And I was just kind of interested in kind of having that little bit of a chat because I did see other people that kind of felt similar where it was, they were kind of, they were actually a lot more um, tough on it because they felt like it was just rushed and almost like they didn't really have a good plan. So it's hard um, to say what this fan sentiment is of AEW in a way, because it's not meeting what it is and it's bigger than, the underdog now and it's been around for a long time so it's hard to gauge what people like and don't like and i'm sure that has to be infuriating to a certain degree to tony and anyone in creative um they're serving a lot of masters right now and it shows uh Mm -hmm. it's a little scattered but it's not bad but i think the expectations for it are so high and also i think fairly unreasonable at times i mean i'm guilty of that myself i think they're capable of doing two four-star matches each show they do and if they don't do it it's like eh, it felt like a letdown but in, in in the bubble that we're in yeah that makes sense but in reality like jesus christ growing up the shows that i would watch like it was all terrible and like you're right. watching a squash match of like leaping lanny poffo getting beat by you know whatever <laughs> just like terrible yeah. shit on their show for two hours hard. twice a week and then three yeah. hours eventually yeah yeah watching wrestling used to be like when you play golf and you're like i just just give me one good shot so that makes me want to come back yeah and and that was what i wanted watching wrestling totally uh all right let's move into it let's go to our news of the week uh chris what did you have what the fuck's going on man that's 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 it sam punk and moxley and hangman i don't know what to believe i'm very skeptical of all the shoot stuff and it's a work and they really hate each other Uh, I'll say this. I think punk and I are simpatico on one thing in that I wouldn't go work at a company. If I knew one of my mortal enemies was there that I had a legitimate still churning beef with, like, why would you join AEW in the first place? If you still have a hatred of Colt Cabana, that's insatiable that you can't stop yourself from hating this guy. And wouldn't you be so like that alone? Like, I don't know about you and granted, for guys like us that go look for a job, there's only tens of thousands of dollars on the line as opposed to millions for him. But like, I wouldn't join a company if I knew like, Oh, I fucking hate that guy that works there. <laughs> like, I just don't want to interact with that person. Right. Yeah. These five people, I wouldn't want to get that job. And I think he's in the same position of like, I don't know. He doesn't need money. So I, I, I don't know. I just don't understand that part of it and why that's still an issue. Um, uh, certainly punk is astute enough and politically savvy enough to know that if anything happened to Colt, that would be his fault. And he would totally get blamed for it. it. Like, you'd think he'd boys. know that. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd think he'd know that. So uh, you'd have to be very careful. And so I could see how there could have been a scenario that came up where Hangman worked himself in a shoot. I don't know, I guess. But I just, I, I just don't think Punk's that fucking stupid to do that especially too when Cole Cabana was already kind of on his way out um he was already in that Peter Avalon 
Brian Cage, where is this guy? And he's not on TV anymore for a long time, many months ago, almost a year ago. If anything, I you could say that he might have gotten an, that deal with ROH because they wanted to spare it, looking like he just lost his job because Punk came in. Oh, good point. Because because really, I, I don't think that he had done a whole lot to add to even the Dark Order. Uh-huh. I mean, there was a there was a good story going on with him and Brody Lee when uh, that was still you know kind of yeah b- before before the Hangman stuff jumped jumped in with Brody Lee, but um, yeah, I. I'm just tired of the stories. Like, I, I think I texted you guys this. Like, I'm just, I'm sick of these. And I think that kind of it goes along with my news of the week is just like, there's all these wrestling journalists and every single one of them is telling a different story. But then you're seeing somebody like Punk come out and on his Instagram say that this has been the most fulfilling year of his professional career. And Punk isn't a person who just does lip service like that. If he was unhappy, he would either make it known that he was unhappy on social media or he wouldn't say anything. And the fact that he said something, I don't think, I think that that means that he's at least feeling happy. Like, yeah, there might be frustrations and that could have been a direct shot at hangman, what he did, or he could also just be planting the seeds for the fact that he actually is going to have this heel turn. Um, but at first there was some art, there was some articles that came out about um, that. They weren't even sure if he was going to show up on Wednesday night, last Wednesday. Yeah, I... And then there was a thing that said him and, Tony had met early in the day and had a like just a normal conversation. There was not there was nothing heated. It was just a fine conversation where they were catching up. I think that it's just this could have fit in my cringe of the week, to be honest. I think it's just another sign that wrestling journalists aren't journalists. They're all they're they're Boom, bad roasted. cosplays of TMZ at this point. Boom, roasted. Kenny Rogers roasted. Yeah. Um, I like how they 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 know for a fact that Hangman and punk hate each other. And there's all these, uh, you know, groups and sides and, uh, everyone's on one aisle or the other, but then they don't know who's going to be winning the trios tournament or they don't know what the main (laughs) event is going to be. Like, I I would think you'd be able to like, one would be really protected and the other one wouldn't. It's just like, I don't buy it. Well, and, and the the thing that I saw was, I can't remember who it was. I was citing and I don't even really want to say their name anyways, but, uh, they were like, well, the boys in the back, they're either working the boys or, you know, it, this isn't true. And it's like, well, or the boys like AEW has proven that they can keep a secret when they need to. Yes. Yeah. And not that I'm saying that this is on the same level as Brody Lee's illness and, uh, you know, eventual passing. Right. But AEW can keep a secret. And I know that there's been I've seen a photo uh, of a sign. Yep. In the AEW locker room that said uh, essentially loose lips get people fired. And so uh, there could just be people that are like, you know what? I'd rather play along with the work than, you know, otherwise. So were there people that probably weren't in the know and were upset by it? Sure. But I don't think that I don't think it has to be either Tony is working at the whole locker room except for Punk and Hangman or that it's not a complete like there could be a mixture of people. There were people who didn't know it was a work and they're upset by it. But you know what? That's what happens when you work yourself into a shoot, brother. You said it best just right there. And I remember too, like when Tony was like saying, oh, Dustin said that about the two-day pay-per-view. That's weird. He like knows better kind of like he had that yeah. tone. Like, so they, they do have an established practice of like, you're not going to share shit that's real. And Kenny certainly didn't talk about Cody in any revealing way. And was just like, he was vaguer than like a fucking football coach. 
of like, yeah, we're just going to win and move on next. Let's, yep. We're facing to uh, Cincinnati next week. Like it was very vague and not giving details. Um, but yeah, like I think it belongs almost in a cringe. I think the there's a lot of jockeying for positioning right now um, between the dirt sheet journalists, let's just say, and they're trying to stay relevant. And you can see who their sources are almost in a way like it feels like you can almost like tell like, OK, this person might be feeding them shit. And they make such a point to say this is not a work. Yeah. But like all the, a lot of the MJF stuff was not a legitimate shoot. Like it just it just is very fishy. And I think there's a lot of backlash towards them right now accordingly. And they're very defensive too in their tweets. And they have their back against the wall, but it's for a good reason. Um yeah, I but I think at the same point, AEW needs to do a better job of having the story be on the screen as opposed to like, it's richer because we know in real life hangman, like who gives a fuck? Like just show it, tell the story because that's going to be more satisfying. Yeah. Then, you know, I I don't know. It it just, it's silly. Yeah. I just don't want to think that every single time there's a big pay-per-view, there's a huge controversy going into it. That's going on behind the scenes. Like, is this person going to show up? Is Punk quitting the business again? Is MJF, you know, on a flight to New Jersey? That's just not, that's not enjoyable to me. I know there's other people that seem to have been having Some people fun with love this. that. And to me, it's just, Overdone. I just want to watch wrestling. And it like, that's part of what's been draining me, even as I said earlier, like, where I'm like, sometimes it feels like it's work lately to watch a little bit at times. It's this type of stuff where I'm like, I just want to watch wrestling like yeah i want good stories with the wrestling but also at the end of the day i just want to enjoy it and i don't want to be worried that my favorite uh product right now is going down the shitter sean you first uh where were you when when i was doing the g1 load because that was all pure wrestling I can't. I can't. I loved. Uh, I loved there the was, G1 I later. saw way. I saw way too many two stars on there to be. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I'm fair a enough. wrestling snob. I'm an elitist, Sean. An elitist. True. True. <laughs> true to the name. Uh, I will say this though: if there is stuff that's going on, or maybe there's a little bit of smoke where there's fire, I do think Tony needs to put his foot down. And um, you're not friends with these people. You're you are the boss. Establish work some things, Yeah, there's some things that have to be squashed because at the end of the day, I think what is probably happening is uh, some of the guys are being worked and they're the most susceptible marks. I mean, I think that's been said by a lot of like old timers, you know, like a cornet and stuff. But it, there's a lot of truth to it is that they are the biggest marks and they're so sucked into politics and drama uh, that you do need to establish this is the best place to work, especially in this conflict with Triple H where people love working for him and he's going to be the good guy for years and he's going to get a lot of benefit of the doubt just because Vince was such a twat that (laughs) Triple H is always going to be like the best guy and he's going to be the good guy and he'll do what Vince and Vince's dad did of he's going to be the good guy and there's going to be some fucking weasel that's going to be administering the bad news and giving you your papers and firing you. And the fall guy, there's going to be that. Maybe that's why road dogs back. <laughs> oh no. Oh, you didn't know. You're out, <laughs> You're out of here, kid. Get your shit. 
Sean, how about you? What was your news of the week? Uh, speaking of that old G1, Okada celebra- celebrated his win, and now he's going to take some paternity leave. Our little Kazu's got his own little Kazu now. Um, fourth G1, first child. Good for him. He's going to take the time off to like the beginning of September with uh, some tournament they're going to do. Um, good way to celebrate after surviving that monster block because uh, he really earned, really earned his time off. Say that again. Your Australian accent just yeah, I totally heard really your Australian. Yeah. Oh my god. Got a little high and transformed. Went yeah. down under. Lord. <laughs> oh man. Well, I've never heard that come out. Wow. That was that was. I was glad that I wasn't the only one. I was like, that sounded really Australian right there. I'm going to have to listen to this tomorrow. And it's so pompous (laughs) of us to make fun of you with our shitty Michigan accents. Yeah. Bagel, milk, Chris. Like the way we talk is so fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Okada's a fan too. It's great. Yeah, Yeah, look (laughs) at you. You, Chris and Okada, just four G1s away and you'll, you'll be right there. We're very similar. Yeah. Yeah, two peas in a pod. Same same life path. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to our match of the week. Chris, what was your? What did you have at the top? Oh, I love this G one final. This is one of the better matches of New Japan the whole year. I think this was the best match they've they've promoted. Uh, This was a great final. I did think Will Ospreay was going to win this. I wasn't. um, Yeah, I. A lot of people said like, "Oh, it was obvious Okada was going to win." I don't know. I thought Ospreay was going to win towards the end. they did a lot of great sequences. Of course they did, you know, the reversals and so forth like that. What I loved about the match though, is it didn't feel like a traditional Kata match where the first 20 minutes are a little bit of just kind of fluff and bullshit. Yeah. And it's, it's moving very slow. And then he didn't even do some of his trademark out of the ring stuff. Like he did the one DDT outside, but he didn't do it. Oh, he did. Yeah. But he didn't do like the drape thing. He didn't do jump over the barricade. Like there was a lot of no. stuff that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't do the money clip four times in the match either. <laughs> so they just felt like there was an intensity and it didn't feel like it was a 50 minute match. Um, I love the finish. I thought that was great. And Ooh. it seemed like, is it Chris Robinson? The other guy? Yeah. 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 yeah he, it's so, it seemed like he had no clue who was going to win and was all in on Will Ospreay. And that was kind of fun to watch just listening to him being so hyped up and excited about it. They're I so good. Osp- yeah. They are great. Like, it's amazing. Those two are so fucking good. Imagine what that would be like to have two good commentators, two, two that are calm, two. two. Yeah. Totally. Anyways, but no, I love the finish um, that he went for the, um, uh, Sling, hit sling blade, the Billy Bob. Right. He went for the hidden <laughs> blade. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. No, and uh, <laughs> he went for that, and then Okada reversed it and put his shit on him, and that was a massive, massive um, rainmaker too, like that. And it was expertly sold as well. Great sell, yeah, totally. This is my match too. Um, like we're talking about the commentary, they just did a great job of kind of in the beginning, like telling the story of they both know the match isn't going to end here. Now Okada rolls back into the ring after he does his one DDT, does another, take your time, do the damage, recover, build your stamina up because you know, this match is going to go long. Both of you don't do quick matches against each other, especially um, awesome, awesome sequences with uh, Osprey breaking out the, uh, the moves of everyone who beat Okada in the G1 before yeah. just beautiful That's talent. Cool. And then of course you end with uh, Kenny Omega's moves and we all are, Really anticipating that in the the coming future. So great match. I, I had a brain lapse. Almost gave this four stars. Glad we we reconvened and gave it that four four and three quarters because 
it was right there, but beautiful, beautiful New Japan match. Yeah, I wouldn't have given it five two just from some of the um, the no selling at the end of the matches. Sometimes do does get me of like how they can just power up and hit a finisher and then pull out. It, yeah, it's just some of the sequences can be a little bit like how many. Yeah, like how okay, how many cutters. This? Yeah, yeah. How many Oz cutters he can take when he's already got a taped up back from five matches. But still outstanding match, though. Incredible. And they did a fantastic job. And it was a satisfying payoff to a tournament that wasn't all that special. Um, Sean, I gave you a lot of credit for powering through this and watching yes. it. There was oh. some nights that were rough, but I appreciate your effort. And so does Alex. And thank you for putting on the website and working hard on this. No, no, it's fun. I I kind of enjoy the, the New Japan style a little more, I believe, than you mm-hmm. guys maybe. So it's fun for me. And gives me some wrestling to watch that's not just filled with wwe superstars king of the g1 thank you for uh thank you for doing that and getting us on google so uh, oh, my that's that's my you. match of the week as the mark <laughs> that i am uh is back to dynamite it was the elite defeating andrade el idolo rouge and dragon lee in the trios tournament for the initial trio title holder uh Let's start with Kenny Omega coming back. They did a perfect job of you know, letting you know that it was coming, but it wasn't said similar to the punk stuff. And then moving into the match, it's funny seeing him wear a shirt when he wrestled. I think it's going to be just nuclear levels of pop when he does actually officially uh, pop the top off again. And, you know, it'll be like when uh, little Kazu took off the pants and went back to the trunks and just seeing him oh, in the yeah. ring the whole time. I think, you know, he did such a good job of worrying me the entire match of like, did he come back too soon? Is he hurt still? Is he, does he have vertigo still? Just, I have no idea what shape he's in still from that match. I'm choosing to believe that he came back healthy, but kind of knowing the way that he's worked his whole career, he probably could have stood to take a couple more months off, but I thought it was an absolutely beautiful showing. There was like one or two quick little slip ups that they kind of just like smiled and like laughed it off and and adjusted mid, mid match. Um, getting to see a V trigger again, Dragon Lee absolutely has the same death wish that Darby Allen has in the ring. I hope those two never face off to be honest. Um, those fans, that was just, that was insane. That tope over the railing, uh, into the fans, um, just absolutely wild and, uh, just a great match overall. I think. We couldn't have asked for a better return for Kenny just to come in, have a fast-paced match where he did get to tag in and out. Typical Bucks match where there's everybody in the ring at some times. Um, and Rush and Andrade, they, they they deserve to get a push somewhere, with whether it's as tag team or single stars. I uh, need to see some gold draped around them by the end of these, this year. Yeah, who would have thought Andrade would get over if he wrestled? <laughs> who said that? <laughs> But Dragon Lee doing that spot, I thought that was actually going to be the finish. I was like, that's believable enough after they put the work and the Kenny coming back hurt. Um, I didn't know what to think, too, until he missed the you can't escape. And I was like, ah, OK, that's what they're doing. But it, yeah. it, but still, like, I, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was a very it was very well done. And I think they did a good job of playing it both ways. Like you have fans that will be disappointed and be upset that you're coming back too early or you don't look like the same guy. And that's a great way to get heel heat or sympathy, depending on how you want to accentuate it. So I thought it was brilliantly done. 
Um, sets up a lot of storyline potentials in the future. Like you mentioned, I think if he just disrobes one layer of protection, you know, make your own innuendo and joke. <laughs> you, you know, I actually saw when I was in uh, Tawas this weekend, there was a Cheap license plug? plate. There was a, there was a license plate that said golden lover. Nice. How interesting. So That's I'm not calling my shop, but I might. Come on, Tavis. Find us. Sean, did you <laughs> Sean, did you have anything to add about the match? Uh great match. I mean, that was a great way to to end Dynamite. Um that's that's Tope spot was just phenomenal. And unfortunately, Dragon Lee just can't hang out with his big brother. It's pretty uncool. Thanksgiving just got real weird. That's tough. Very much so. And then come we do a mess. Yeah, come to Detroit. Yeah, I got a Lions, with us. I got a Lions ticket. Yeah, watch watch the Lions lose with Sean. It'll be fun. Did you have something, Chris? I did. I'd be remiss if we didn't say uh, the the Battle of the Daniels was great. Two out of three falls. That was a really good match as well. The, the Daniel Sins. Well, Daniel's son and Daniel's son. Sons. Okay. You know, I honestly was almost made it my match of the week, but I, I felt like I was playing with fire. Yeah. Oof, yeah. Dragon reference. Nice. Oh, keep it going. Brand. Keep it going. Burned us. It is flowing. <laughs> Well, let's move on to actually, I almost moved it to cringe of the week just because of that, but let's go straight to our moment of the week. Chris, what did you have? What the fuck did I have? Oh, I know what I had. I had uh, <laughs> Sam Punk and uh, John Moxley's promo duel. So just Sam Punk working stiff. Like, I think he's going to turn heel. I mean, if you're not turning heel after that, I don't know what the hell to tell you. Feels uh, like it. He had some comments that were stiff and. Uh, the way Moxley came out and sold it, what with the CM Punk's laying pipe bombs and doing the little breakout was so funny as well. And then making the joke that he's going to start bleeding if he touches them. There was just a lot of good lines. Uh, the thing that I love about when guys come at Punk and they shoot at him and they talk about all the ways that he's a piece of shit and he's a bad guy behind the scenes. They he doesn't move his eyes. He just like looks at them, and it's the most intense, resentful look. Like he does such a great job of doing nothing and having this blank face, but showing so much contempt and emotion and rage boiling up within him. It's a really interesting character trait. And then Mox was great too. Like he did an excellent job selling this. And um, I have uh, concerns about what the fuck they're doing. Like I don't know why you'd want to do that this Wednesday and not do that for the pay-per-view. Um, you, you gotta have something to deliver with this. We'll talk about that later, but, uh, it was a great all-time segment. I mean, it was awesome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it too. I thought that everything about it from both Mox and punks end was just perfect. It makes me upset actually a little bit that this week is the match right so we're not going to get any more of that promo duel which also i think maybe just leaves a little bit more to be desired for a longer term feud which maybe continues after this who knows it could still end up being punk versus moxley because of some shenanigans or something like that at all out i I don't want to get too far into it with our anticipation but like maybe there's uh you know some sort of a turn that happens this week that causes uh, that that they wanted that to be established for all out um but overall just an absolutely Wonderful promo segment there. I think Punk with his whole thing about Eddie Kingston is the third best Eddie I've been in the ring with. And 
telling Mox that he's the third best member of his group. And it seems like that's a theme for him in his career. Oof. Just little things like that were, were nice little nods. Cuts deep. Uh, and also, I wasn't sure. Do you guys know who the other Eddie was? Obviously, obviously uh, Eddie Guerrero. And I saw people speculating maybe as like Eddie Fatu. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Eddie Umaga. Guerrero. Uh, he's never Eddie faced Guerrero. Eddie Edwards. Oh. oh. So, yeah, that was oh, the only thing be. that I could. Yeah, it could be Omaga. You're right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was just interested in that oh, one because it wasn't as clear, obviously, when he's saying. Obviously, everybody knows that it was Eddie Guerrero was one of them. But, um, yeah, absolutely enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing uh, what comes of it this Wednesday. Sean, did you have any additional thoughts to it? Uh, no, you guys said it great. And uh, we'll save the, save the rest for later, what we're looking forward to. My moment was the the great tantrum that Jay White threw after his, his <laughs> losing of the B block semifinal. Uh, just my favorite obscenity. Hopefully your guys' favorite obscenity, just raining down fucks. So good. So good. He, I don't know how you could fuck that up any worse. He, he won every single match except for the, the one match that could fuck him at the end. And he fucked up, but excited to kind of see the, where this kind of leads him. He's probably going to play it off some other way. Like he did his heat stroke. Um, days off and use it into why the fuck would I want to wrestle when I, I've got the belt. I don't need to prove anything. He's beat Okada once. He can do it again. So twice he can do it again. So he needs the time off, but not quite on the level of Zack Sabre Jr.'s tantrums that he throws in the back, <laughs> but a great, a great meme that I'm going to send to anyone whenever bad news comes around, comes around. I just love that it matters. I mean, that's something that you don't get in wrestling enough. And I think that's what's cool about New Japan is having those post-match scrums mm-hmm. is that you show how much it matters to them to lose. And Zack Sabre Jr. and Jay White always do an amazing job of selling that. That's in something moment. that's missing with North American wrestling is showing how pissed they are. The closest that we got, I think, recently was... And it was kind of a different thing, but just Kenny's shame when he lost to Hangman. Like, yeah, he was injured, but he was also like, I dropped the ball for the group. I got to go away. Like, that was kind of part of it, too. And I think there, it's a great opportunity and a great pathos and storytelling to turn someone heel in an organic way um, on a main event stage. If, OK, I lost and now I'm going to really contemplate who I am and what the fuck's going on with my ability right now and then come back as a different persona. Or, I mean, not like a different gimmick, like not come back as Repo Man or some shit, but, but come back a as a new version. Yeah. 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 And instead of always having to make it a surprise turn where all of a sudden just the next week they deck somebody or something mm-hmm. like that. Or it just made me think of promo. what you mentioned using a, that as like a, a meme to send whenever you hear bad news that I've always liked to send the Undertaker when he finds out that he's getting drafted to SmackDown. <laughs> and he just, he's like throwing his water bottle and, and then a chair. Yeah. So this oh, one, yeah. see, this one's a little bit more, uh, a little more modern. So I'm Millennial. glad that we can do that. Yes. So, yeah, totally. Exactly. Uh, and then my moment of the week, I texted you guys as it happened that uh, it was, it was locked in for me. It was uh, daddy ass coming back to where he belongs with the acclaimed. And after his sons betrayed yeah. him and, the acclaimed coming in to make the save and ultimately to uh, scissor with him. So absolutely just one of those like stupid moments in wrestling. Chris, you've referenced it before. Billy Gunn is, you know, he got suck it over in the nineties, which was a goofy thing. And today for him to be now doing this, and it's just another goofy thing that the fans love. 
we've seen friends of the show get to do it with uh, Bowens Lucky right on the, bastards. you know, at, at, in the middle of a show. Uh, and it's one of those, I, I enjoy sometimes the silliness of wrestling, like not too much. I don't like it overly silly, but this is one of those things that to me, it's just funny. It's almost like an ironic, like love of it, but it, it just, it plays. It's a match made in heaven. Just perfectly made for each other. Yeah, he's. It's weird that they that AEW like they have a mentor for every single thing. If you're if you're a technical wrestler, you have Brian Danielson. If you're you know starting a faction, you've got Arn Anderson. If you're looking to get something oddly sexual over, you've got Billy Gunn. You got a kink. What a sexy <laughs> life Billy Gunn has you know has has had. If you think of his gimmicks, like he's got this Ass smoking there. guns at finger banging uh, Billy and Chuck. I mean, oh. this guy is—he is all over the place. He's—he gold does think got shit on him. Love his yeah, love, he's, baby. He's got a gimmick type for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on to our cringe of the week, let's get negative. Chris, what did you hate this week? Oh Jesus Christ! Jericho on commentary during Garcia and uh, Danielson—that was brutal. His screaming is—and I put it in the article, but it is like the auditorial equivalent of Kevin Dunn's camera cuts. Like it's just that bracing of. I can't handle this. You got to just calm down. Uh, it's annoying when they have so many people on commentary to start. I think there were five people on commentary for that match or four. You have JR who's fucking checked out and just Ugh. saying things that Gorilla Monsoon would sound, would say when he's very angry and bitter and he's totally checked out and doesn't give a shit. Tony's fine, but then Excalibur's plugging shit and you have Jericho screaming. It's just a mess sometimes. Uh, and it took away from my enjoyment of the match. Like, I get that he's trying to put the angle over, but Jericho is a good commentator when he calms down. It's He's sort of like how Roddy Piper could be. Like, Piper could be a good commentator back in the day, but when he was just trying to be daffy, goofy Roddy Piper, he just was a fucking annoyance. And this is what it came off like to me. Like, I just the screaming is way too much. Yeah, this had me worried for when he does eventually retire and does and moves to the desk fully. You know that's going to happen. He's going to collect his paychecks. He's just somebody that I just don't see going away. And I actually wasn't really listening this week because I was just, I've started to try to make myself ride my my bike during while I watch. There we go. Myself, you know, work out. There we go. And um, so I didn't notice it originally. Chris just sent that the message to the group chat of something about Jericho and I went back and played it and I was like, good grace. It's like the one I'm glad I wasn't listening. Like I just can't do it. And it it's part of what makes rampage tough to watch when he's on commentary too. It's, I don't understand how it hasn't been addressed because it's bad. And I feel like he's referenced it on Twitter. He references it like constant. He's def yeah. it's like so JR he, stuff. Does he? It's like, so he, he knows that it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. He knows it's bad. And that's, what's really frustrating. And just fix it. And it's already a two. You don't even. I don't even know why he was on commentary for that match. Really. I mean, I get it because the storyline part at the end, right? But he's not even enjoyable on commentary, really, for me. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's fine. But I prefer to have Regal on that spot at all times. You have Taz doing that role expertly, yeah. explaining the science of the hold and what it's doing, and being the veteran that's grizzly. You don't need another person playing that card. It's just too much, especially when someone's active. Would you say you prefer his commentary or his music? Uh, I think he's words. a great show for VH1 countdown specials. 
Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, his music, I can easily not hear. That's true. That's true. Only one of us has gone to his concert. I went for the the location, the venue. It's a a Detroit staple. Watch 8 Mile. You'll love it. (laughs) Sean, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe, we kind of mentioned it a couple times just in general, but uh, last week's Rampage card was just god-awful. I mean, at this point, the Rampage has just kind of become god-awful. I unfortunately kind of stayed up and threw it on and regretted it, the whole thing. Just, you can see... Chris put out the ratings for it. Uh, this is an unbiased opinion on the website at WrestlingElitist.com, but the Rampage ratings, they're awful. It's all one star. Maybe well, There was one two star with the uh, the main event, but just god awful. Um, if, of all people to come out and challenge Claudio, we get a, another WWE runaway in Dustin, and it just, like, there's probably so many other people that I would love to see challenge Claudio for the, the title then. Dustin just kind of pulled him out of the mothballs, made no sense. And just in general, Rampage has kind of become like as interesting sounding as like a Gin Blossoms concert. And um, I'm just kind of sick of it. I'm sick of your slander of the Gin Blossoms, but it's they got one hit. That's it. That's what you're sticking around for for five jealousy, baby. That's exactly what Rampage feels like. (laughs) Uh, I, I just want to say about Dustin, he is challenged for multiple titles in AEW, and I feel like every single time it's literally just because he comes out and says, I'm challenging for this. He's never really won a re- or had like a, a winning streak going or a reason to truly challenge other, the than, other than he says something along the lines of I'm going to retire soon and I need to prove something to myself. And then, and then he loses and goes away for six months and then challenges for the next title. There's a new title in town. Yeah. I like that segment, believe it or not. I just, I, I well, just because I like Dustin's delivery, the way that he can sell things and make it seem like it's a big deal. Should he be the person in that role? Absolutely fucking not. But he, he does well with what he's doing. It's just, it's a, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sick of the open challenge shit too. That's also become like a, just a, Nearly every title is. is yeah, it's a crutch. Like every week it's like an open challenge. Well, and I don't think that they understand that part of what does make an open challenge exciting is not knowing who the person is until the moment that they face. With yeah. Jade, they constantly do this open challenge and then they announce on Rampage, next week she's going to face Madison Rain or whoever. Then I don't care. Like I don't care that she's facing Madison Rain. I care that she's facing somebody for an open challenge and she's going to be surprised by who it is. And maybe that person can get over on them in that moment because she's not prepared for them yeah. in a kayfabe like form. Kevin Owens coming out for John Cena. Exactly. See, that or one of my favorite open challenges of all time, uh, Neville coming out to face Seth Rollins and almost defeating him, except they had kind of that dusty finish where he, when he rolled up Seth, his leg touched the rope. So it, Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, One of the best, you know, but just best finish because it was such a protected finisher with the black arrow and just otherwise it's stupid. And it's it's just you calling it an open challenge is just an excuse for you to book this match because you because you don't know how else to book it, essentially. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with Rampage. I put it in the article on WrestlingLatest.com. 
it's just very inessential. The whole show doesn't have a sense of urgency to it. And there's nothing important that's happening. That's building towards anything. Yeah. You had the trios match, but you know, who's going to win based on who's in it. You don't even have to, like, there's no way trust busters. We're going to fucking win. Um, and it doesn't need to be its own brand too. That's also ridiculous to like split the rosters and let's have a rampage show. Like, no, that's dumb because that's a WWE trope that didn't make sense even then. But you can have the show still have meaning and maybe it is just wrestling and maybe it's just matches and that would be fine too, but have it have some sense of an identity or at least have one big match. That's like, okay, this is a legitimate like main event or a semi main on dynamite. And you put it on that. At least you have something else to carry the show. Like a squash match here and there is fine. And they do a good job of doing like, okay, this guy's going to face Ward though for the TNT title next week. So let's have him get a win on someone. Perfectly fine. Yeah. But have some more meat to the show. Cause there's a lot of guys that aren't doing dick right now that he, that you could use. Miro could beat up someone just for the fuck of it. Well, yeah. What hurts the most right now about how bad rampage is, is if we didn't have rampage, we could justify doing this show every Thursday night. <laughs> having it come out right after dynamite and be a little bit fresher, but instead we have to wait to see rampage because there might be a good episode of rampage. And then it's the weekend when we've got things going on with our lives. And so Football really season, this is the earliest that we can feasibly really do it. Right. So that rampage not being good annoys me because of that, because I would love for the show to come out on Thursday nights, Friday mornings, make our life easier. You're not wrong. Indeed it would. We might have to do it. It's not an essential show whatsoever. And it's, um, I think that's a fair criticism of Tony too. He does have tiny or tiny toy, shiny toys syndrome of whatever's new is great. And then he can just disregard stuff. And that's a very Vince-ish quality. And like, that's a legitimate thing that lands. Um, that's a projection, but it feels like it's real. And it feels like it's real about the show itself too. Like, yeah, this just isn't important does. right now. There's other things. And I fucking doing stats on a British football club right now. I don't know. But like, it just isn't. <laughs> this isn't interesting to him. And it shows. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I to kind of take what you just said there, I think it kind of goes into my cringe of the week, which is the fact that we got announced a Wardlow and FTR uh, trios match announced the for the fuck? pay-per-view, which to me... The, the lack of attention given to FTR when they're as over as they are, when they're the, the stars that they are, they're, they'll put every single title on them except for the AEW titles right now, which doesn't really make any sense. Wardlow has been an incredible lesson in how to kill somebody's uh, you know momentum. And also just you already are doing this trios tournament that is ending at the pay-per-view. So to then do another trios match seems so fucking useless in point. Like I can't, I like you're just, it, it's a problem that AEW always has where they overshadow other things with the same thing going on. Mm -hmm. We don't need, don't give us macaroni and cheese for like lunch and dinner. Give us something different for lunch, something else for dinner. You know what I mean? I don't know why I use that as my it's reference. It's a perfect there. analogy to describe. With a little hot dogs in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Like, give me brisket mac and cheese, maybe. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, like that's I when I saw that announcement, I at first I thought it was for this week's dynamite, and I was like, eh, okay, whatever, that's fine. Then once I realized it was for all out, 
I was just I was just annoyed. We don't I already don't love trios matches. Don't love that there's trio titles. So now to have the trios titles match and now you're also tying up FTR and Wardlow, which could both be doing something way more interesting into a trios match. It's I get that they're doing it because of the fact that you want to you want to show that you have a division. That's a justification of it. And maybe there's a challenger or whatever, but you could have made this tournament like the fucking Crockett Cup back in the day and have everyone that's in it and everyone is involved and you have a mega fucking tournament that you can't predict. And it makes to me that would make the tag titles more interest or the six man titles more interesting than is because everyone was fucking involved. Well, yeah, and, and they do such a bad job with tournaments because I was really excited when they first announced the Owen and even, you know, some of the other t- title uh tournaments that they've done even this could have been more exciting if they would have done it more of like a round robin or or do all of the matches in one night like all of one yeah, side dude, that's the best. but just doing one match every week or you know one match on rampage one match on dynamite which the match on rampage you always you always know who's going to win that one like it's just it, it's all because it's always the one that they're like oh who cares it's a tape show anyways and then it, it's there's just no importance put to it it just feels like a bunch of matches that happen and, and to call it a tournament when there's like eight teams, I don't necessarily love that. Like and I two want, of them weren't in AEW. <laughs> exactly. I want a large scale tournament. Otherwise, mm-hmm. just don't do one. And I think one of the things that sucks the most about FTR and Wardlow is they're in this situation because uh, they didn't have a storyline for them. That's what I think it is more than trying to buoy the division. It's more like, okay, well let's do something with them. We got, if it was building to FTR being turning heel with punk and they become like the new pinnacle, that makes sense perhaps convoluted, but it makes sense of like, Hey, we were the number one ranked tag team since fucking April. And we never got a title shot like that would make sense in a certain logic. But I think they're doing this because they don't know what to do with them. And also, too, think of this shit, too. If this was like WWE locker room in like 97 or something, how many guys would be like, your guys are just fucking title marks and they're just put Tony (laughs) just putting titles on you guys. And that's going to he thinks that's what's going to keep you happy. Like that would be such a thing. If you were a dick, like a bully or an asshole in the locker room, you totally say that to get that under their skin and just like work them in a shoot and just get them all mad. Like that's like something you'd hear about in like you know, a fucking old timer podcast of like, Oh man, we got them working one day. We were in the car and we just kept going on about that. (laughs) You're spot on. And what's sad is I think if you're, I mean, ROH is different because Tony owns them, but triple a or new Japan or, you know, anybody who FTR has their titles, but they're not getting the AEW title shot. Then it just feels like your titles don't mean anything. Even less than they yeah, are. You probably no, feel true. that way. I agree. I wouldn't be happy if I was a promoter and they had they put those on them and then they just did this stuff with them. And you're saying they can't travel because they have important stuff to do, like face fucking Satinum Singh and what, what other dude. Like that's just like <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Well, let's uh, let's flip the script. Let's get positive again. We all had the same anticipation, but Chris, how about you? kick it off yeah i i don't know what to expect here i mean um i think it's a big mistake if it's a bait and switch um you're gonna have to really do a good storyline i think to to make people want to buy all out now 
Uh, I think it is going to affect the buys, perhaps, running it this way. But if there's a great storyline, who knows? A lot of um, people buy pay-per-views at the last minute, and it is an impulse buy. And it is like one of those things they've shown, like research-wise. Like People do buy at the last minute, and the hype in the last week or two is what sells it. But I- I'll say this, and I'll call myself out here. I have a fucking wedding to go to the day of All Out. I'm mad that I'm not watching this match at all out. And I'm mad that I'm watching this for free. <laughs> it's the fucking dumbest wrestling fan logic ever. You got like, what you want. Look, what are they doing? It's fucking dumb. And like, I want to pay for this. That's great. Yeah. They wanted to give you money. <laughs> I, I have faith that there has to be something good behind this. Maybe that's me just being overly optimistic, which I haven't been most of the show. Um, but I, I just, I can't imagine that they put this on this week without there being a reason for it. Come all out. Similar to last year when we got, when we ended up getting Christian cage versus Kenny Omega on rampage for the TNA title. And then, you know, two weeks later, the all out match, I, I think there has to be, you know, some sort of a thing that they believe that they can deliver on. I do have a friend that bought tickets to All Out, and then like two days later, this announcement happened, <laughs> and is instantly uh, like, "Okay, well, what does what does this mean? What is this so, worth?" Y- you hope that that there's a reason for it, and I, I I'm interested to see how it goes, but I'm definitely interested in the match itself because these two felt like stars when they were in the ring together last Wednesday. It kind of really pointed out to me the fact that AEW hasn't truly made a a real star uh, since its inception. There's people that are big and, and big names. You have Eddie Kingston and things like that. But when Punk and Mox were in the same ring together, I felt like I was watching two wrestling superstars go at it. Yeah, totally, totally. It really pisses you off that we didn't uh, we toyed with the idea, but we never even thought to buy tickets to this. Only four hours away. I'll actually be even closer because I'll be in. Uh, Grand Rapids. Okay. So it's well, a hop, skip, and a jump. I think that's further away. Is yeah, it? it's further away. Yeah, it's like um, east. As the crow flies, though. Oh. oh that's true. Yeah, yeah, good point. So well, I just had to save myself there. Kind of Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, there we go. Keeping it I, going. If they don't Same get a good show. rating for this, though, they're, that that's going to be a black mark as well. Um, this should get a good rating. It, there, there's been a couple of weeks of good TV, too to make this storyline hit and they've been hyping this matchup. So if it does get a bad rating uh, and not a bad rating, but if it doesn't go over a million, I think that is going to be a little bit cause of panic among certain sex of fans um, or just internally. Uh, Cause it's a big money match. It, it made me think of Goldberg and Hogan of like, why are you doing that for free? You know? Mm. And, and maybe at the end of the day, it is smart because it does pop a big rating and ultimately there's more money to make with, um, television rights and there is pay-per-views you know like if you maybe look at it and go okay if this is ultimately like this is gonna give us more money in the long run even though it is sacrificing this but i don't know there's gonna yeah. be hurt feelings if it doesn't go right yeah yeah and you just want to be be careful on that because you don't want to make it seem it, don't i'm not going to complain about how often we get special dynamites but it has seemed this summer especially every week it's quake at the lake fighter fest fighter fest part two uh blood and guts like all of every week oh yeah there like has something. been still yeah. on that and so you do want to you do want to still at the end of the day feel like a pay-per-view 
there's something special about it. Uh, besides the fact that we uh, can't watch together because that seems to be a theme lately. Um, That's hard. It's going to be hard. Well, we'll see. Uh, there were a couple other things too that I, I just wanted to kind of touch on since we are, uh, we've, we've had so many things going on. Uh, first of all, WrestleMania Hollywood has put their tickets on sale and it looks like they are selling pretty well so far. I think about yeah. 50,000 per tickets per night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple H said that this is the best they've seen for kind of initial sales on a wrestling or a WrestleMania. I think a big part of that is the fact that there were rumors that the wrestling elitists might be attending this year again. Well, I think that's course. probably not going to happen. It's, just, it's not feasible guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. As, as the so, accountant, it's not feasible in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with that though, there is still the rumor of the rock, uh, which who doesn't want to see potentially his last match, but uh, Sean, you had your, Oh, I just I just had to break the news that I just we we won't be able to to afford it. We can't make it, and we're not we're not staying next to Skid Row. We're we're better than that, so we unfortunately yeah, we have to might pass. be making our return to Philly. Hey, Philly, get ourselves some cheese steaks. Bring it to Nashville. Let's go. Let's go down to Tennessee. That would be crazy to do. We're, yeah, we're sleeping there. on Broadway. God, even even going to SummerSlam would be sweet over there. But um, yeah, no, it is good that they're getting great ticket sales. I mean, if you look at it, it's still 100,000 tickets for two nights so far. Um, and that's pretty impressive. Um, so who knows how many seats they'll actually have in the stadium, but it is a big deal. Uh, I put it in the show notes too. I like the WrestleMania launch party that they had on the network. Like, granted, the matches were dog shit and the Snoop Dogg doing the Crip Walk with Becky Lynch is kind of weird, but if you're a fan and you lived in that area, that would be so much fun to go to. Like if they had that at Ford Field, I would totally go oh, that's uh, and just cool. hang out and watch that. And that would also be a good thing to do. And I hope they don't price gouge everyone, but like that would be a good thing to do to bring like your kids to or bring your, you know, I don't know, someone like a little kid to because it's like eh, whatever. It's only going to last a little bit and it's free. Intimate. And they always have some celebrity pushing it too, so they're going to get to see, you know, some influencer that they follow Florida. on TikTok. Yeah, that'll that's there at those those events too. Um, <laughs> Sad celebrity. Who was this one? It was like Ralphie May or something. Or Ralphie May's been dead for a real long oh, time. God. All right, oh Pete. shit, no. Who are you thinking of for Who's... for Hollywood? Yeah, there was like some celebrity. No, I don't know who it was. There was that girl Jojo Siwa. I lost access to Peacock. Yeah, no, no some... more network for Sean. He's the fluffy guy. Oh, Gabriel Iglesias. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Ralphie May. <laughs> <laughs> well, fluffy. I mean, come on, no. it's not the same same fucking shtick. My cringe of the week next week is this. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also, let's uh, let's keep the positivity going with with WWE. I think there was a a great promo from Drew McIntyre this week. I don't know if you boys saw that, but then also KO has become the prize fighter again. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. It kind of I, I turned it on as soon as we got off the uh, the recording last week, and it was just a kind of fiery way to start. And like, oh the. The transition's kind of changed. Glad to see the prize fighters back because that was hot. Like I said earlier with him coming in with that open challenge on John Cena and just kind of doing the unthinkable at the moment. It's awesome. That's what you want to see. And that's the uh, the Kevin Owens I'd be willing to pay for. 
and he's selling his old like prize fighter type gear now like it's with the scotch mm-hmm. tape and the yep. you know mm-hmm. so like it's cool to see him doing that old gimmick and that gimmick was great like that was a fucking amazing character and it really played off well and it's all going to set up Sammy to get betrayed again, which is like, <laughs> awesome too. <laughs> Poor guy. It's totally into that. <laughs> Eventually, the real life Sammy is just going to have trust issues with Kevin, like in, in their personal lives. It's yeah. going to happen because it's it's funny that everything that Kevin Owens does is pretty much built to tear down Sammy's aim. Yeah. Like, how many uh, times has Kevin called Shotgun and Sammy's like, hey, dick? You just know it's happened a billion times. <laughs> uh, and then there was also an announcement uh, on the NXT side. So I don't know if you guys had seen a few days before this announcement, NXT UK shows had been canceled. So some tapings had been canceled. Everyone was worried about what that meant. And then it was announced that they are essentially disbanding NXT UK and expanding it into NXT Europe. And there was about 15 to 20 names that were released at that point. So basically everyone was either moved from the UK to the US NXT or let go. Uh, First of all, I just want to say, didn't realize that NXT UK was still going. So that it felt like, remember the old jokes about like JTG, how he stayed on the roster for like three years without ever wrestling. That's how I felt about NXT UK basically since COVID happened. Yeah. Well, he's Triple H still got a little bit of Vince in him, though. You know, they're going to go to a big UK show and he releases a shitload of people. Like, it's just, yeah. It's still got yeah, that. Yeah, announces in, in, the same, yeah. in the same breath, then announces because now they're they're doing a pay per view the same night as yeah. All Out. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Worlds Collide show. So, and we did see, uh, I believe it'll be Tyler Bate versus Power Man 5000. Um, what's. Braun Breaker, is that it? The champion? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Braun yeah, Breaker the versus uh, Tyler Bates. So, yeah. yeah. So, that'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out and see just what NXT Europe ends up becoming. As we know, Triple H was Canceled. Kind of... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H was... He had been working on this global expansion, and Vince just seemed to have zero interest in in NXT really beyond NXT 2.0 and keeping that small. So I'm just interested in seeing if it, if it actually grows the, grows the, the brand a little bit again, because they also canceled the plans to expand into Japan. So uh, what a terrible idea to put that in Japan. Like that is not going to fucking, it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really connect with the same style of wrestling. And there's a billion goddamn promotions there anyway. Yeah. And one show there. Ones that like ha- like treat wrestling with like a ton of respect and like the way that like you know what I mean like the way that people go when they're like sixteen they go and live there and yeah. just become wrestlers like it's like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a wild, wild week once again in terms of just so many things going on. We could have all picked seven different things for our moment for our uh, news and cringe. Um, yeah, Chris. And one other thing, speaking of Japan, Wrestle Kingdom is going to be one night. Oh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I think that's, that's great. great. I'm I may be the minority in that, but I fucking love that move. No. It was fun going to once, but then I kind of think about it and after seeing what I want to see on Saturday, I don't really want to come back on Sunday with the same like gusto to to watch. So this is perfect. Probably a lot easier for the uh 
the upcoming dad that we got to take one night off, not two. Exactly. So I love that for us. I love that for us. Well, the kid won't be born by Wrestle Kingdom, let's hope. My God. But you gotta be you're gonna be on watch. Oh, yeah, I, thought be on guard. I thought you were talking about Okada. Him, well, him too, you know. Who knows? Yeah, no. but I, I do One like it because I mean they had like last year. I mean I I don't think I'm wrong here. Didn't they have like tag matches still and did that shit? Like it's like it just doesn't. Yeah. They yeah. had the opening. Yeah, the... there's just too much fluff. And granted, that's going to be a long ass show. But whatever, you know, going into it, it's going to be a long ass ride, and it is what it is. But I'd prefer just having one night. Um, and hopefully they'll sell more tickets that way too. If it just seems like a bigger event, because like the last couple of years, the crowd have been really small and i get that well also it's going around still but they'll be a little cheer by then so i i am always a proponent of the one night other other than wrestlemania shockingly everything else like nobody else i don't think puts on i don't think anyone else puts on a big enough show to justify two days wrestlemania i think can justify it it's true wrestle kingdom i liked the idea in theory when it first happened because there is so much and new Japan shows just drag on for six, seven hours at times. But ultimately like, it's just, then you're just, then you're just putting on two really long shows because they don't know how to put on a short show. No. And then you have New Year's dash the next day and it feels like two days already. Yeah. And WrestleMania has the night, the crazy night of raw afterwards. And that's a thing. So it's just, I don't know. It's just too much shit. Like just do, you have this special, thing the next day it's okay you don't have to do two shows mm-hmm. sometimes Save less it. is more exactly yeah, absolutely that'll do it for us this week uh, i want to thank everyone once again for uh, checking out our website sharing articles mm-hmm. please visit us at wrestling latest podcast on instagram and twitter our website wrestling for our latest articles and match reviews rick rude take us home hit the music